We uh, talked about the Trinity last week, God, three and one. We talked about the Word, uh, the Word of God being the ultimate authority. It's inerrant, it's God-inspired. Uh, man didn't write the Word of God. God wrote the Word of God. Amen? Amen? And it is beneficial, profitable for us in every way. Uh, this week, I'm going to have you, those of you who have your Bibles, open to the book of Genesis, uh, chapter 1. As I said last week, uh, we're just going to go over the scriptures, let the scripture speak for itself. God created everything. Genesis 1, verse 1. And as you are turning there, uh, join me in a brief word of prayer. Heavenly Father, uh, as we get into your word today, Lord, we just ask for you to give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to understand uh, what you're speaking to us through your word today, Lord. And, and uh, Lord, it is our heart's desire to bear fruit that bring glory to you. Um, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, every good book, or just about everyone, Every book that I've read, uh, I don't know what you do, but I don't skip the introductions of books. You know, for some people, that's just a, uh, you know, that's like, oh, I'll skip past it. I want to get to chapter one. I want to get to the, to the highlights. I want to get to the meat and potatoes uh, 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 of the content. But I find that the introduction of a book often gives us the author's motivation for writing it. And it's a precursor. It gives me a hint of what to expect in the core content of the book. In other words, it whets my appetite for more if it's done well. There's a reason we don't start in the middle of a book. We start at the beginning. At the very beginning of the book, uh, of the Bible, is the book of Genesis. And in the very beginning of the first book of the Bible, Genesis 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This is the inspired word of God, remember? Remember? And this is the very first thing that he wants us to know about him. He is a creator. He is the creator. He created the heavens and he created the earth. I'm not going to argue science and all those other things. Science has its place. God, God, God has given us lots of revelation through science. So I'm not going to make this a science versus uh, religion debate or anything of that nature. I'm just here to talk about God and what he's revealed of himself in the word of God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Now, 
before I go any further, my multimedia team back there was a little bit uh, nervous. I'm going to read a lot of scripture today. I gave them Genesis chapter 1 all the way into chapter 2, verse 4. And uh, James said, uh, did you make an announcement that church is going to not be over till noon today? And I was like, no, brother. I said, uh, don't worry. Uh, I won't expound on things as much as I, I, I typically do. I just want to get make a quick point or two. And, but I want to let the word make that point for me, and then I'll encapsulate it, and, and, and then we'll move forward. But right away, in the very first verse of the very first chapter of the very first book, God wants to communicate something very important to us about his character that God creates and everything is created by him. Now we're talking about one of the things that people have a lot of existential questions about. How did everything come to be? Why am I here? How much of this is an accident? Is it is it by design or is it an accident? Well, I'm here to tell you in no uncertain terms that the world that we see, the universe that we're in, was not by accident. It was by intelligent, intentional design. By God, our creator. So I want to, and I want you to have this this must be a conviction of ours. Now, it's, this has to be something that we're settled about, right? That's why I started off with the word of God. We're going to have to make that the authority in our lives from Genesis to Revelations. None of that, I believe, what's in red stuff. It's all the Bible. It's all the word of God. All of it is breathed out, inspired by God. There is no error. There is no contradiction. It does not contradict itself. Whatever seeming contradiction there is, in every case, I've learned through careful study and, and collaborating with other leaders, it starts off with a misperception or a misunderstanding on our part. Once we put it in order in the whole of Scripture, it, it, it slots into place. And it slots in its order and you realize that the, that the Bible confirms itself. It is in complete unity. It does not contradict itself in any way. If that's not settled in you, then that's an issue that needs to be resolved. Let's, uh, let's go home. Let's, let's continue to read on. I said, I'm doing what I said I wouldn't do. Hey, I, I, would, I didn't mean to get any chuckles out of that. Y'all chuckling like you expected that. But let's just, uh, let's just read through. Uh, I'll start. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. 
The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So we have nothingness. The earth was without form and void. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so. And God called the expanse heaven. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. Now the word here is not like heaven, our final destination. This is the sky that we are able to see with our natural eyes. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth and the waters that were gathered together, he called seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years and let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good and there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, let the water swarm with swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters and the seas and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. 
And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds and the livestock according to their kinds and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Remember last week, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. We'll skip to chapter 2, verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day. From all his work that he had done, so God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. The one thing that I want to emphasize about God uh, it already says in that first verse that he's a creator. He created. But I want to point out not just that God created, no, that should be a settled issue for us. Why he created? Notice what we didn't read out of all those verses. I was very intentional about reading all of that. Notice not one verse said that God said, oops. I didn't mean to do that. But life happened anyway. In every case, God said, and it was so. You want to know if you're an accident. You're not an accident. You're a product of intentional design. Amen? Amen. Mankind didn't just end up here through some combustible process that just ended up with something good. No. The creator of this universe, the creator of this world, looked over the formless void of nothingness. And out of nothing, he said, let there be. And every time he created something, he said, 
this is good. This is exactly what I intended when I said, let there be light. This is exactly what I meant when I said, let, the, let us make man in our image. Now, I know we live in a fallen world and, and things aren't now exactly how God intended for them to be, but that doesn't change the origin story. It doesn't change the creator. It doesn't change his intent. It doesn't change what he created. Amen? And lives get screwed up. Lives are messed up. Families are jacked up. Uh, we, we do a lot of things, but, but let's not let the jacked upness of our lives cause us to deceive ourselves into believing that we're a mistake or we're an accident or that God made a mistake. There's no way. There's no way God. Teresa mentioned uh, sometimes the trauma of the people that she ministers to includes them not being wanted. And I've told I've told you guys part of my testimony of feeling not wanted, or not feeling not wanted, but not being wanted by my dad. And how that affected me as a young fellow growing up, yearning, craving, searching for any sense of belonging, any sense of acceptance that I could get. And praise God, I found that through the Lord, but, but I, also, I also grabbed a hold of some unhealthy things that uh, I intended to feed that desire with. And to a measure, to a degree, it was satisfying uh, to a certain degree, but it ended up costing, costing me dearly. None of it was fulfilling. I won't get into the to the gory details or anything, but uh, I thought I could find it through sports. I thought I could find it through achievement. I thought I could find those things that my heart desired by proving myself to be somebody of worth, somebody of value, somebody who deserved to be wanted. And accepted. And in the lowest point of my life, I found that person who accepted me, knowing full well who I was, my flaws and all, I found that person in Jesus Christ. And I didn't have to prove myself to him. I didn't, I, I, you know, I didn't have to 
uh, put on some kind of facade or mask or be something other than what I was. He saw me for who I really was, and he loved me in that condition. Now, you knew he couldn't leave me that way, but he loved me and embraced me. And there were times when I thought that, that I was a mistake. that I shouldn't be here. Then I met the Lord and he showed me his purpose and plan for my life and he told me that my existence in this world was by his design and that he had a purpose and a plan for my life. And so I want to encourage you today I, don't, I know some of you pretty well I don't know uh, some of you very well at all but I, I just want to encourage you that the God who created everything every mountain Every sea, the sun, the stars, the moon, the entire galaxy, you created everything. He created us. He created you. And if nobody else on this planet sees value in you, the one who created it all loves you and sees the value of you. And you're so valuable to him that he gave his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for you so that he could be reconciled and in fellowship with you. Right? You're here by design. You're here because God wanted you to be here. You're here because God loves you and your existence on this planet, in this time, in this generation, has significance. And you need to really avail yourself to God and let God speak to you and guide you into his calling that he has for you. But I want you to know nothing about you is a mistake. just like nothing about creation was a mistake. You're not an oops. God doesn't make oops, oopses. I want you to turn to the, we've got limited time here. I want you to turn to the book of Colossians chapter 1, 15th verse. 
It says here that, speaking of Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth. It just echoes what we read in Genesis. Everything, by, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. I'll go on and I'll read on. And when and you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, for shifting from the hope of the gospel that, I'm sorry, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. All things were created through him and for him. You know, when I think about in the book of Genesis, which we just read, and it talks about all of creation, everything that God created, culminating with us. We're all introduced. We see God's heart. We see God's intent. We see God's design, his creation. We see the relationship that we have with God, with Adam and Eve in the garden with the Lord. And, and then we see the serpent come in and Satan using the serpent to to inject sin into mankind. But I want, I want to bring your attention to the, what happened before sin entered in. God would come to the garden for no other reason than to fellowship with his creation. You know, God wants to fellowship with you every day. God wants to talk to you. He wants you to know him like he knows you. That's why I didn't want to just tick off all the things he created. It's not about a list of things that God created. You know, God created a place for us, for us and for him to commune and to fellowship. And Satan came in and messed that up. We, we cooperated with him. But he came in to mess that up. He was jealous of what God had with us. 
But God created this place to commune and to fellowship with us. He gave us dominion over it. He let Adam name all the animals. The thing that hits me most, though, is that once sin entered in and they ate the forbidden fruit, you see the heart of God. Here he is. He's coming into the garden again, and he's coming for fellowship, but now something's different. The ones he loves to fellowship with are hiding from him because they see their nakedness and and they, you know, he said, who told you that you were naked and so forth? Have you eaten from the tree? I told you not to. And, and of course, you know, Adam says Eve did it. Eve said the serpent did it. They worked through all of this. But the thing that broke God's heart was that fellowship was broken. And you know what? Remember, God created the world from nothing. Couldn't he have done that again? He could have very easily have done it again and created a new Adam and a new Eve. But the heart of God towards us is to redeem us. Sin does have consequence. And we experience those consequences on a regular basis. The sin that we've committed in our own lives and And this world in which we live, where we all are having to deal with the consequences of sin that are rampant in our society. And we fight and we squabble and we point fingers and we do a whole lot of of, of nonsense a lot of times, but the heart of God still remains the same. He made a place for us to dwell in and to fellowship with him in. Everything was created not only by him, but for him. You were created for him. You were created to be with him. You were created to be to be one with him. You were created to be a part of his family. And I don't believe the story of creation can fully be told apart from that relationship. Because the reason he did all of this the reason we exist for him so I know creation is not something that you guys have to be convinced about I know this is not something I am preaching to the choir here. So um, I don't believe I'm having to uh, convince anyone. But again, I'm talking about 
conviction here. This is something that cannot be on the periphery of our faith. It has to be a conviction. It is central to our faith. And it doesn't matter if you're Baptist, uh, whatever denomination you are, if you're Catholic or whoever, one of the things, we may have some differences of opinion on certain doctrinal stances or whatever, but there are certain convictions that should be consistent to every believer, and this is one of them. And we need to stand. We don't have to be jerks about it, but we need to stand on that, and we all need to affirm that everything was created by God and everything was created not only by him, but for him. And we need to know that everything God created has meaning, has value, and that everything, since he created us, includes us. Right? So don't you dare look in the mirror. Don't you dare look in the mirror and see that person looking back at you in the mirror and and, and devalue that person. Don't you dare question the meaning of that person. You don't get to do that. You didn't create you. God created you. You don't get to determine your value. God has already determined your value, and he calls you precious. He calls you beloved. See, if we're going to call, see, that's why if we're going to talk about creation, we got to talk about us. And on too many occasions, how we view creation, how we view the world that we see is impacted by how we view us. Love your neighbor as yourself. What if you don't love yourself? So I want you to consider for a moment. If you've gone to the Grand Canyon, it's awe-inspiring. You're like, wow. You go to certain mountains, you know, you see them. They look majestic. Wow. The ocean. Wow. You see the sunset, the sunrise. Wow. And you look in the mirror. Ew. Why? That should, not, that should not be, right? The Bible says we are fearfully and wonderfully made. God doesn't look at you and say, ooh. God looks at you and say, wow, it is good. Right? And so I want you to see how meaningful and how valuable you are to God, how a treasure you are to God. This is not to puff you up. This is to, uh, th- this is to give you the heart of God toward you. Amen? After everything God created, he said, it is good. And you know what he said? He said the same thing about man and woman when he created us. It is good. Now, you've got, You've got your flaws, I'm sure. 
And there are things that other people have that you wish you had. And, and, uh, and, and God's going to have to deal with you on that. Right? Uh, I just want you to be able to appreciate the unique awesomeness of you. God has created you. This isn't self-empowerment and all this other stuff. This is the Bible. This is the truth of God's word. When God created you, it was good. And if you have meaning, which you do, You have purpose, which you do. Then there is something, then you have something to offer. You have something to offer here in this church. You have something to offer in your family, in your community. You have something to offer in your place of work, in school, wherever it is God has planted you, you have something of worth to offer. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Jeremiah 29, verse 11, God says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. God is good. He has a future and a hope already laid out for you. We need to plug into God and discover his purpose for us. We need to plug into God and let God direct us in the path that he has marked out for us to follow. We need to let him enlighten to us the race that he has. Marked out for us because there are people in this world, people in your sphere of influence that need what God has deposited in you. There are people in your life that can only get what they need from God through you. And will you be that vessel of God? Now, this last verse, and I'll close with it, is another, is a, another very popular verse. John chapter 14. I'll read verses 1 through 4. And the simple message I want to get, convey here is, which I talked about, Jeremiah 29, 11, God has a purpose and a plan for you for all of your days on this planet. If you're still drawing breath, if you're still drawing breath, God's not done with you. I don't care if you're seven or 70. I don't care if you're 10 or 100. God is not done with you. His purpose and plan for you is still alive and well. Amen? But in John 14, we see his purpose and plan for you extends beyond this lifetime. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. 
If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also, and you know the way to where I'm going. God created the heavens and the earth and created man and, and woman and put them in the Garden of Eden. Like I said earlier, sin entered in. When along with sin came death and separation from God. But thanks be to God that through Jesus, we are reconciled with him again. And we can walk with God and live for God and, and represent him in the earth and make other disciples, introducing them to the Lord Jesus Christ. you got a purpose and plan in this earth. And while you're faithfully carrying out the purpose and plan of God for you in this earth, know that your Lord and Savior is in heaven. And he's preparing a place. And in his father's house are many rooms. Right? He's preparing a place for all of us. And he's going to come back for us. And there's, and there's going to, when he comes back, we're going to meet him. And then we shall ever be with the Lord. He has, that tells me, he has not only a plan for us in this lifetime, but he, that plan of his includes, is also an eternal plan for us. So you can trust God in the here and now. You can trust God for your future in the short term and the long term. You can trust God with the rest of your life here on earth, but you can also trust God with your eternity. Your future is secure for now and forever. Amen? God not only has a purpose and plan for your life here on earth, his purpose and plan for you includes an eternity with him in a place that Jesus will have prepared for us. And I tell you what, man, that just makes me want to praise the Lord. And there is nothing that anyone can do, nothing, no bad day that can take that away from you. Amen? So just think about that. We spend, and I'll, I'll, I'll say this in closing, you put 50 of us in the same place for too long, we're going to get fed up with each other. And there's going to be some friction, and, and we're going to need some space and, and whatnot, right? I mean, even as Christians, can we admit that? We can only take so much of one another. But Jesus has gone to prepare a place where he's, where he's going to be with us forever. He's never going to be tired of us. He's never going to have enough of us. Amen? So not only did he die for us, redeem us, he's also preparing a place where we're going to be with him forever. 
going to ask you to stand. You know, he created the heavens and the earth and everything that is in them. And here he is while we are going through life, doing our best to represent him in this earth. He's creating a new place. A place where death will have no place. No death, no sickness. You know, Satan won't be able to enter in and gum up the works in this place. We won't need the sun and the moon because he will light, will be the light. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we just, we just thank you, Lord, for loving us. Thank you, Father God, that you looked out over nothingness and spoke, let there be, and it was. you made all of creation and then by intentional intelligent design after making all creation you created us for you so that we might come to know you to be loved by you, to love you back. And when we messed it all up, your love compelled you not to start over, but to redeem us. We thank you, Lord, that you loved us even when we didn't love you. We thank you, Lord, that you're faithful to us even when we've not been faithful to you. And, and thank you, Lord, that you didn't just start over. You made a way for us to be reconciled to We stand here right now, Lord, amongst the beloved, saved, not because we deserve it, not because we earn it, but because of your great love toward us. And we are humbled by it, oh God. And by your grace, and by the work of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus, we shall endure whatever this earth has to throw our way. We will endure in the faith.
And we long for the day when we will meet you, join you in that place that you have prepared for us to be with you forever. We love you, Lord. And we're so grateful to you, Lord. We want you to be exalted above all things, exalted and glorified in us and through us. Bless your people, Father God. If there's anyone in here today that is struggling with self-worth, struggling in that area, struggling, Father God, to see value or meaning or purpose in their lives, I pray that they do not leave today, Lord. I trust that you've already convicted them and spoken to their hearts, Father God, and I pray for an opportunity to really pray with and minister to any and all who may have that struggle. Console and encourage, Lord. As we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.